Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott and I'm joined today by Martin Riley and Dan Holdsworth. Dan, how are you, mate? Been a while? It has been a while. It has been a while. And um, I'm really, really, really in a good mood because it's Friday night. Yeah. And I'm going to have a glass of wine when we finish or a beer or something. How are you, mate? So you're not doing a Tom Alderson and having one during, just to be clear? No, I take I take podcasting incredibly seriously. I've got a glass of water. I, the honest answer is I, I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would, but yeah. I've actually got a little bit of work to do after this. So I'm I'm all right, but I've still got a little bit of work to finish. We're in that busy time of the season in, in football transfer season, aren't we? So in my line of work, sometimes you're a little bit busier than you should be. Um, but yes, Martin, how are you, mate? Again, it's been a little bit of a, a little while now, and we were on a bit of a roll the last time we spoke. We were recording left, right and centre, but it's been a bit of time. I think the last time was Preston, and that was the first game we played Preston, not the second one, which you've actually got this weekend. Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad to be back, back on a pod with you. Yeah, I had a little, little bit of break since you've been busy with work, so that's fine. But I'm, I'm glad that you're back and we can talk talk about Norwich. Yes, we are going to be discussing Norwich City today. It might be a bit confusing for some of our listeners because uh, although this podcast will come out after the Preston game, we're actually recording it before. So if there are any bad injuries tomorrow when we play, no, it's not tomorrow, it's Sunday, isn't it? We're, play, we're recording on Friday, it's on Sunday. Then I apologise now in advance. But yes, we're here today to talk about them in the home game at Ellen Road, which sees Daniel Farker come up against his former side. But before we start, uh, is there any news, guys? I think there is a, f- a few little bits and pieces. I think, first of all, We'll start with Archie Gray signing a new contract. Um, do, who wants to go first on that? Great piece of news. Marvellous. Marvellous news, yeah. Um, I mean, four years, so he's like, you know, I guess it gives us a really nice window to get up to the Premier League and then gives us enough security to get a big, big fee if we don't when, you know, the Vultures eventually come and pick him. But yeah, he's developing at such a rate. I think um, we need to get up soon, don't we, to keep him, basically. But this protects us, so yeah, all good. Yeah, he's now on the... Longest contract at the club alongside Jorginho Ruter. And actually, just as we press record, Matteo Joseph has signed a new deal for the same amount of time as well, till 2028. Uh, Martin, do you want to add anything on Archie Gray or even Matteo Joseph, if you'd like? Oh, well, on both of them, really, I'm happy that they both signed new contracts, um, especially for Archie. Um, he's obviously the bigger talent out of the two, in my opinion. Um, his ceiling is just 
I don't even know how high his ceiling goes at the moment. It's hard to judge, but he's definitely got a high one. And it's only good for the club that we've secured him to a longer-term contract. Um, obviously, we don't know the ins and outs of that contract. If there's any release clauses in there, uh, they would want to keep that quiet if there was, I'd imagine. Um, but I'm not going to think about negative things. Just think about the good, and that is extending his contract. And the same goes for Matteo, who also is a good talent, and I do want to see more of him. And hopefully, this this is a sign that the club values him and will look to use him more in the first team picture. Obviously, we've got a bit more competition for the position he's in in striker. We've got a few there, but I'd say he's the closest profile we've got to Bamford in in terms of strikers. So. That bodes well in his favour that Bamford's getting more use now. So if he finds that he wants to have an alternative profile to Bamford, his is probably the closest match that we've got. And I like, especially in his um, video that he was talking about, that he's been learning from Bamford. And he specifically mentioned hold-up play. That was something that he needed to work on. So it's good that he's got someone like Bamford to learn that kind of thing from. And being so young to, to try to get to grips with that sort of stuff is always a, a, a fun thing. So... I'm quite excited for him too. Me too. The only thing I'll add there on Joseph is that he hasn't actually played a lot of football for someone who's 20 years old now. Um, a lot of his minutes obviously have come at youth level, whether that's with England or Leeds or whatever. Um, so he probably does need a loan at some stage. And I would imagine if we get promoted, then he definitely will get a loan. I think for the next six months, it's probably quite likely he stays. But whilst we're on the topic of young players, there is a little bit of, of sad news at all stats, aren't we, Towers? Which is that we are saying goodbye to Lewis Bate, who is a favourite son, particularly of Tom Wilson, Darren and Hobbsy and I, because we all watched a lot of the 23s a few years back, particularly. And he was a player we absolutely loved, but he didn't sign a very long contract when he joined from Chelsea in 2021. He only signed for three years and he's out of contract this summer. And he has now gone to MK Dons on loan in League Two to link up with Mike Williamson, which is a kind of coach that will probably suit him quite well, even though it is the fourth tier of English football, you know, plays football in the right way for a lot of people, uh, plays it on the deck and, and MK Dons have really turned things around this season. So I think that's a good a good move for him, even though it's at a quite low level and I imagine it'll get his career kind of rejuvenated and back on track a little bit because I think he did need it. I don't know what you have to think about that, um, Dan. Have you seen the news? Yeah, I've seen the news. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think it's, um, it's, it's a shame for Leeds and I'm kind of like, I kind of wish to take a longer term view with Bait and got him in a longer contract and perhaps, you know, took the time developing him, um, you know, maybe through loans. But as far as loans go, I think this is a great one for him because, yeah, Williamson is an interesting coach. Like you say, plays football in that respect. I think MK Dons have got a really good general reputation for developing young players and bringing people through and get, getting the moves at the league. So I think it's a good landing place for him. You could argue he should have perhaps gone to League One, but a very, very good League League Two team and the current guys is, is, is fine for him. And if I expect him to kill it there. I think he'll do very well. Yeah, I do as well. And a lot of these players do sometimes take that step to a lower level and move their way back up the leagues. And that could be the case with Bate. We could see in a few years he might actually end up in League One or the Championship pretty quickly if he develops. Uh, Martin, anything to add? Oh, go on. Sorry, down. I was going to say, if he was one of these players that like, is like, because he's small, isn't he? He's not particularly, you know, mega quick or, or whatever, anything like that. So he's one of these players that might like take, you know, that might take the mid 20s for him to really work it out and then, you know, learn how to kind of use his body and all that kind of stuff and, and compete with like bigger, more athletic players. And, you know, you might find that 26, 27, 28 baits finally getting up the leagues and getting to high level. That's that's kind of my long-term prediction. Sorry, I jumped in there. And that's that's my hope as well, I think, because he's, he's got that sort of technical quality, as we know, very press resistant, good eye for a pass. And yeah, I think it, I think it's a move that makes sense for him, um, even though, like we both said, he could probably come to league one if he wanted to. Martin, anything to add? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what both of you said. Um, he is a player who I've liked as well, and I was hoping that we were going to see more of him towards the first team. But 
what was before we signed a few central midfielders, which is something we haven't had for a few years. So it's understandable that his minutes will, will have been limited. Um, although it's frustrating, uh, it's a good move for him personally, and I hope it helps him to develop. Uh, I do definitely think that there is someone there who have a career, especially in in the championship. Um, I, I wonder about his suitability in deeper positions or in more physical league like championship, and wonder if maybe playing higher up the pitch could be a better future for him. He's played as a ten a few times for the twenty threes and looked good there doing it. And in that position, it's less of a problem being a little bit smaller like he is so I don't wonder if that's maybe something which could happen but we'll see how it goes for him and I hope it as well and his move yeah and just to uh, round up the news I don't I don't want to talk about too much transfer stuff because obviously we are still waiting at time of recording for a signing we haven't actually had anyone through the door yet um, there's obviously a lot of rumours about various fullbacks um, and I don't really want to go over them all but, but one interesting thing that's just come out this week is that West Ham have been quite heavily linked with Nanto recently and has been a bit of talk about them potentially signing him and us signing Manuel Benson of, of Burnley on a loan deal perhaps for the end of the season I don't know if you had any thoughts on that Again, Dan you've watched a lot of uh, Burnley in the Championship in, in the last year when they were here. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think if we wanted a left footer coming in, you know, it, uh, sort of inverted winger coming in field getting shots off, then Benson would be good for the level because he did that very well for Burnley last season. I'm not sure we want that anymore. You know, with the kind of the way the team seems to be set up and we're playing Dan James as a kind of orthodox outside touchline hugging winger. So if there is a desire to get a different profile right winger in and it is that profile, then yeah, Benson would work. Um, but I'm not sure we want that, so I'm 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 perhaps guessing that that rumor isn't true. You know, isn't based on anything solid. I don't know. No, I'm not 100 percent sure. I just wanted to throw it out there because it's just been talked about again a little bit in our group chat. Uh, anything to add there? No, no, nothing to add there really. Lovely, cool. Well, yeah, I won't go into all of the other stuff. It is silly season for the next sort of week and a half, but hopefully Leeds do sign some players before the end of the window. Anyway, yeah, we're here today to discuss Norwich. Um, we don't actually have an opposition fan today, but I did want to give a quick shout out to my friend Ben, who did the press someone, and he was excellent. I listened to that actually today uh, before the game. So yeah, really, really good. Uh, but today is just Dan and Martin for you all. So I'm really, really sorry that to anyone that, that was disappointed with that. I'm not. I love speaking to you both. So let's get right into it. Anyway, um, Martin, do you want to discuss a few things about their recent results and form? Has anything changed recently? Their results, first of all, uh, they've had a mixture of results recently. In the past 10 games, they've had three losses and four wins and three draws. So very mixed, a bit of everything. And they've had some recently good results in there. We've got some not so good. Uh, they've recently beat Hull, which was a good game. Uh, they beat them 2-1. Uh, they held Southampton to a draw, which was also a good result for them. And I think they maybe got a bit lucky in that game because Southampton put up a lot of XG in that and n- nearly three times the amount of XG which they did. And they came out with a draw, so they should be happy about that one. And then they also held Ipswich to a draw. And again, Ipswich put up quite a bit more XG than what they did. So uh, maybe a bit of luck involved in, in those fixtures. But they're, they're a good side, but they've had a few bad injuries earlier in the season, and I think that has affected um, the way they play, especially two key players such as um, Josh Sargent and Ashley Barnes. And then people were saying, Ashley Barnes? Really? He's a key player? And yes, he is. He, he's quite a, a vital player to the way Norwich play. And when he's not playing, they don't really have as much of a focal point up, up top, and he really does help them to get the ball to stick up front, and he's a big things for them to get back on, on the pitch so yeah since they've had some injuries back they're starting to get a bit more results and less 
unpredictability and really big score lines like we were having earlier in the season. Um, and regards to anything changed, I think the only thing I really saw was a bit of a shift in position for Kenny McLean, who is normally a midfielder, but has been playing at centre-back for them. Um, I did notice that they have had centre-backs on the bench um, in, in Gibson, and they haven't used been choosing to go with McLean instead. So that's an interesting one. It seems to be more of a tactical reason than in the reports. So I thought, I thought that was quite an interesting little turnaround. An interesting one indeed, the fact that they played a midfielder at centre-back and they still didn't get Adam Forshaw in the team and have now let him go to Plymouth. So I definitely want to beat um, Norwich even more so now because that's another of all starts aren't we's favourite sons that they've let go of. Um, Dan, do you want to talk to me a little bit about how they set up in possession? Yeah, so they're generally listed as a 4-2-3-1 team. Ashley Barnes is kind of at the 10, so it's probably more like a 4-2-4-4-2 really with just Ashley Barnes dropping off, um, playing like a second striker. It's quite a narrow, they kind of... They kind of <clears throat> Quite a narrow formation. I remember the the first review we did, and I watched quite a lot of the games from early in the season, and there were kind of definite like kind of Jesse Marsh Red Bull football vibes about them. I mean, there was more to it. They were, they were definitely better in the ball than, than Jesse Marsh, any Jesse Marsh team. But there's definitely like a, a element of the the wingers took in and, and kind of squeeze the pitch and they get the full the weight from the fullbacks. So, but the, some quite interesting ideas in possession. So what you'll see is. The, they do try and pass it out from the keeper. Um, they'll pass it out through the centre backs and out to the full backs. And what they'll generally do is they'll, they'll, they'll work the ball to the full backs quite quickly. And then they usually get try and get combinations going with the with the centre mids and the kind of narrow winger little triangles and, and move up the field. And it's fairly direct, fairly kind of on the ground, kind of uh, incisive sort of passing. And they do have a couple of ball carrying type players if they can get the ball to to those like Rowan, what have you, and uh, Hernandez players like that. In kind of advanced areas, they'll carry the ball into dangerous zones. But yeah, it's generally out for the fullbacks into midfield, little triangle, and then and you know then direct ish from there. So that's how they try and build. And Martin, do you have anything to add, or do you want to move on to the out of possession? Stuff? I'll, I'll add a little bit onto that. What Dan said, then move on to the out of possession. But uh, but in possession, I do really like the, the way they play. Um, the not like you mentioned, I do see the similarities between. Uh, Jesse Marsh's Red Bulls side and that that kind of quite narrow in the way that the forwards work but there's definitely a lot more to them um, in deeper areas. I just like the way they use um, Marcelino Nunez. Um, he's their defensive midfielder and he drops in between the centre-backs quite often and hence Tara will be a little bit further forward than what he is. And they've got nice chemistry going between their deeper areas and they're pretty good at playing out of press as well we saw when we played them last. Um, so they're a team who are able to build out well from the back but then get forward quite quickly and quite directly. There's, I've found quite a few similarities between us and them, other than a few little things. Uh, that they, they do look to get the wingers narrow in a similar way to, to what we do. And but with them, both of their fullbacks are where they get their width. Uh, they will get it from both sides. But on the right side, Stacey does come inside a little bit, but he's still pretty wide, especially when they're building up. But yeah, that's the main things that I, I noticed about them in session. Well, I was going to say one thing I noticed. Yeah, one thing I've noticed is that they, if the ball's down the left hand side, Stacey will hold width, won't he, on the right hand side, really, and get really high. And then they're quite keen on a switch sometimes. They're not, they're not, they're not averse. So drawing people in with kind of like little combination play, like little rondos almost on the pitch, and then ping it across to Stacey. And the same will happen on the other side with. Jan Janulis, the, the left back. Janulis, the left back. Anyway, so yeah, it's, it, that's that's where the Red Bull similarity is, isn't it? It's the winger comes in and becomes like a half ten, and the fullback is the whole width. That's the kind of that's the kind of real similarity with Red Bull ball. I would say it's the kind of shape rather than. But on the ball, they've got way more, you know, way more decent combination and, and play than, than a Red Bull team would have. 
Yeah, most definitely. I think a good amount of our listeners know this already, but um, the reason that Martin and Dan and I have watched quite a lot of Norwich is because their games are very easily available, whereas other clubs are not so easy to, to manage to find. So quite often you'll watch a Blackburn or a Preston game and you'll use Norwich as the uh, opposition to watch um, in a, our sort of build-up to these games. And, and that's why I've probably watched maybe, you know, I don't know, I think Martin's probably watched them about 15 times this season, something stupid, but I've probably watched them five or ten times pretty easily. So yeah, that's that's the reason we'd know a little bit more here but yeah um speaking of this game uh, again do we expect any differences from the reverse fixture where we won 3-2 obviously we were 2-0 down in that game and we won that late on Somerville had an absolute blinder I think we all remember that um and that was quite a while ago now so do we expect any changes I think we've discussed some of this already but Martin do you, is there anything else you wanted to add uh, first of all, I didn't get around to the out of possession um stuff oh, it's sorry. okay don't worry so I'll, I'll cover I'm rusty <laughs> it's okay mate don't worry so yeah the out of possession Norwich the also, the similarities between Red Bull football is also extended to their pressing. They're quite a swarmy testing side and will, will look to press quite high. And they are very capable of doing it as well. Uh, they put us under pressure when we last played them with the threats that they had and caused us problems. Um, but I have also noted that they are capable of switching things up. In the recent game against Southampton, they were a lot less, a lot, lot less pressy. And there was probably more of a mid to low block than anything. And they also changed their setup. From a four-two-three-one to a five-four-one, and so, so they would have wing, wing, wing backs, and so that was again where the width came from. But there was a lot less pressy in that game against Southampton, which um, really showed because Southampton had seventy-five percent possession, which is just mad. Um, so yeah, very high amount of possession, and so they really dropped off a lot. And I think that was one of the reasons why they were able to get a draw against Southampton because they really did limit the space. And although Southampton had dominance and a lot, lot of shots, there was also not very many big chances created. Um, I, think, I think Southampton scored from their only really big chance. So one other, which was more of a half chance, which they could have scored from. But yeah, there was very good at, at changing that style in that game. You watched that game, uh, at least some of that game as well, didn't you, Dan? What do you think to them in that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I watched the whole game yesterday, which is the most recent game, thinking, right, this is a game against a kind of fairly progressive team away from home. And their approach was, you know, fair, reasonably aggressive, kind of press, try to press Hull and that kind of stuff. And I was pointing out, so I was making comments to you guys, and Martin said, yeah, go away, look at this Southampton game. And it and it really was a contrast. It was, I mean, I think it's a low block. I would say, I wouldn't say medium low. I, just, I would just say it was a 5-4-1 low block. Um, however... So yeah, there was hardly any pressing. They just dropped into shape. It was very, you know, the the, the midfield four was quite narrow. I would say, you know, uh, the back five was fairly well spaced, and they covered the space. And the midfield four just shifted across, and and the striker just kind of trundled around, really, kind of trying to separate the centre back. So it wasn't. It was really unambitious, but it was kind of well well disciplined. So they do. I guess they do have that in the locker. And it's it's. I only watched the first half. I didn't. Have, I just watched the first half tonight. I didn't have time to watch the whole game. And it's funny because looking at the XG, Southampton put two and a half. And I don't really remember them cutting them up much. No, exactly. There was a lot of um, lower, I think, around, around point one XG chances, just loads of those kind of ones, which yeah. are just short of half chances, really. So, and Norwich always had people on the blocking the shot. There was a people spare there, so it just it never felt like they're any under any danger. So I kind of felt like actually these these can do a low block at least for a half. It's there. It's in the locker with them. So it's interesting because. The whole game, it was kind of like small what we expect from Norwich, you know, kind of quite pressy, coming out, stepping out, being aggressive, playing that kind of sort of Red Bully style. But yeah, against Southampton, they didn't at all. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I I wonder if they'll play that way again because, you know, it's a midweek game and they might be, it's a long way away from home, isn't it, and stuff. So 
I was about to ask that. Do we expect them to play similarly to how we saw them play when we went to Carrow Road? And, and I remember Sarah in particular had a really good first half in that game and it's sort of tore us apart at times and our pressing was a bit all over the place ourselves, to be fair. But um, do, or do we expect them to play a little bit more passively and, and, and be solid defensively and keep the shape in a, in a 5-4-1? Um, do, is that what we're expecting in this game? I think so. I think that it makes sense because as, as well, the game they've got this weekend is against West Brom, which isn't an easy game. Um, so, so if they're, I think they'll, they're at home for that one as well. So, I would think they're probably more likely to press West Brom because uh, West Brom can, can be pressed. Um, they're not a team that are invulnerable to it. So, I would expect them to go out West Brom and so they'll, they'll use quite a fair bit of energy in that game. So, I maybe would lean more towards that. And I think also maybe this is a conscious decision um, by their, their manager. I forget his name now. I know he's German as well, but he's Wagner. So yeah, I think it's a conscious decision by him to maybe try to limit the amount of goals that they're conceding, especially against the better sides, because earlier in the season they had some pretty hefty spankings. Um, They shipped four against Southampton earlier in the season, four against Huddersfield, six against Plymouth, um, three against us, three against Sunderland, three against Blackburn. So they shifts a lot of goals, and also three against Watford as well. So there's a lot of steep sides who put at least three goals past them there. So in the recent one, two, three, four, five games, they've not conceded more than once. So I wonder if it's some sort of just a more way of them trying to limit things, especially away from home, if that's what they're looking to do. So that's interesting. Although the game against Southampton was at home. So and I think it's quite maybe quite likely that they will go for a more passive press against us in this time to try to frustrate us. But in fact, has worked with certain teams. So that's going to be an interesting tactical matchup if they do. I was gonna say one thing I will say about the Southampton game was yeah they were like defensively they were very low block and they just dropped into that shape really quickly. They still tried to play out through the back, didn't they? They still tried to play through the thirds against Southampton and they gave Southampton a lot of chances to and Southampton pressed quite well I thought actually they won the ball off them quite well. So they still give up pressing opportunities to the opposition, don't they? So I think I'd I'd still do think we're gonna, you know, potentially get some joy in that respect. You know, it's not just a tip. It's not a typical, you know, low block pump it long. They're not pumping it long. They're just low blocking it and then trying to build when they get the ball back. Yeah, and I guess they do have the players to do that. You mentioned the two uh, South Americans in midfield that are, that are really doing well. Um, I guess that that brings us on nicely to talk about some of the individual players. Um, I'll go first on this because it's an area I can speak a little bit more about. Um, obviously, Sarah is probably their best player, and he is more of like a an eight slash ten. But I think they have been using him as more of an eight slash. I don't want to use the number six because Tom Olsen will kill me. But um, a defensive midfielder. He's a six. <laughs> The eight slash six, he's been kind of, in, like you say, in part of the double pivot, but maybe not as low um, in terms of receiving the ball down the pitch as Nunes is, and he's a little bit higher. He's an excellent footballer, though, in, in a lot of ways, really, really good with the ball and just a really good footballer. And I think a lot of teams in the Premier League will probably keep their eye on him. And the other one is John Rowe, who's absolutely electric, very dynamic. Obviously, he's overperforming his underlying numbers a little bit. His XG and his XA are, are a little bit higher, uh, sorry, a little bit lower than what he's actually... Um, put out output wise but he's still a really exciting player and he's only 20 and the way he gets shots away really quickly I think Dan I'm going to steal what you said you you said he was reminiscent of I think Jared Bowen um, and I, I agree with that actually he, he's very much like that and I think that his uh, ceiling's pretty high again uh, out of the two of those that those two 
probably the most Premier League ready players in the squad or, or very close to at least um, but there are a few others I think as well they've got a few decent box defenders and I know that you've talked about Kenny McLean playing as a centre-back but some of the other guys in their squad you know the Shane Duffy's and Ben Gibson's of the world have been around about in the championship and, and I've had that experience and, and I don't like using that word but know-how as well so I wouldn't be surprised if they, they sort of leaned on a couple of players like that maybe if they are playing a back three of, of centre-backs that wouldn't surprise me at all um, so there, there are a few guys there but yeah I'll, I'll let you guys um, you know discuss some of the others so uh, Dan do you want to go first on some some players maybe that you like in their squad and then move on to some players you don't maybe yeah I'm su- I'm just just to back up I'm super hot on row I mean I like Sarah I've seen Sarah play 10 and I'm part of the double pivot so he plays at all heights really kind of just really versatile all-round midfielder I'd say you know, can put his foot in, can play, can score goals, just, just, yeah, bit of everything. So, yeah, someone needs to spend money on him in the summer in the Premier League. But I think Rowe, yeah, if, if a team needs a finisher from wide, like, uh, he's not, not a mega creative player, but he's quite a good dribbler, isn't he? But he's not a, he's not like a playmaker or anything. But yeah, just, just someone to, to finish chances off is, is great. I, I think he might be one of these players that consistently outperforms his XG. I think he's that good a finisher. I think he's a really good finisher. Anyway, um, Moving on. So I think Gunn's a good keeper. I think Gunn's a pretty solid keeper for the level. And I quite like Barnes and Sargent as a pair. Um, I don't think they're anywhere near like Sarah or Rose level, you know, in terms of the quality of the player. But I just think in terms of the functionality of the team, I think Barnes and Sargent work really well. Barnes is great with the hold-up play. Sargent's good at running the channels and pressing and leading the press. No, I mean, they're not going to score you millions of goals, but they're going to be reliable goal scorers both. And I just think they... They provide a great platform for like the likes of Rowan Sara to, to to play from. So I think I think they're kind of a handy front two. Uh, and our centre backs, you know, they'll know they've been in the game when they've come up against those two. I would say. Martin, I echo what Dan said there. I both Sarah and Row, they're both fantastic players, and I, I don't I imagine some Premier League clubs will be looking at them uh, in in summer. Uh, they'll probably pay a fair amount for them. I think that they are both, both Premier League ready, in my opinion. Um, I, I just I just love. Rose uh, Dublin especially he's just got such good cl- close control and if uh, a defender took, tucks in close to him aggressively when he receives a ball they're absolutely finished he can just quickly turn players like that so I really hope whoever's against him doesn't get too aggressive with him because they will get ruined um, I'd also and I like both of their fullbacks, uh, Jack Stacey and Janulis both cause us problems in the, the reverse fixture especially Janulis he made us with a lot of trouble down that, that, that side um, combining with I think believe it was um Onel Hernandez in that in that game. Uh I, yeah, I, I actually was having a bit of a tough time dealing with Hernandez's movements. He's a very experienced player. Obviously he doesn't have the same sort of pace to his game to what he used to have. He's knocking on a bit now, but he's still very good for this level and his movement is great and the way he receives the ball and then quickly release it and then get back in, into a different area is is great. So he's another one that if he does play will cause us problems. And I found there's not really many players who I can say who are really weak. Um, I think most of the, most of Norwich's weaknesses is more systemic than player related. Uh, they've got a very very solid championship side, um, but sometimes they do leave themselves overexposed, and their match defence can be non-existent. Sometimes uh, they are quite gung ho in the way they attack, and that's what happened in the reverse fixture when we came back from two 0 down to to beat them. Because they even deeper into the game, they were leaving space for us to attack, uh, which means that I think it could be a different game this time at Island Road. So who knows? But yeah, those are the players that I like. I think they have a bit of a problem with um, recovery pace in sort of central um, areas and, and defensive areas. I would say that that's a bit of an issue. But they, if they low block, that's maybe not going to be so much of a problem. Um, it's only if they 
kind of get caught out on the counter and, and there's a little bit of space for players like Somerville or James or Ruta to hit that, that we might be able to cause them issues in that way. But yeah, they don't have a huge amount. And I think even like up front, they didn't have a lot until Sargent. He's got a decent amount of pace. He came back recently from injury and, and has made them a little bit better in that regard as well. But yeah, there are there are a lot of players, like you say, this is quite a solid team for the most part. Um, they are pretty good. I think even Science, we didn't even mention him. He's coming to the side recently, a young winger, and he's done pretty well as well. So there's, there's a few different threats and, and it's certainly going to be interesting in that regard as well. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you now, Martin, uh, what does the data actually say about their season so far? First of all, from Open Play XG, they've created the 11th motor around mid-table for XG created, but they've overperformed that by a significant margin with uh, 34 goals scored from the 26 XG. So they've got a few players who can finish their chances very well. Um, in particular, John Rowe is running quite hot at the moment. And when it comes to um, nothing special when it comes to set play XG, so I won't go over that. The fifth best for it and scored eight goals, so they are a reasonable threat for set pieces as well. As well. Um, but they have quite recently gone off again against the best set piece side in the league and didn't concede. So I'm relatively confident in that. So we're going to concede two by set piece in this game. Sorry, sorry guys. And then when it comes to XG against, uh, they've got the seventh worst XG against for open play XG, uh, with 28.3 XG conceded, and they've conceded 28 goals from that XG. So they're uh, pretty hitting the, what they should be doing. But their set-piece XG against is quite bad. Uh, second worst in the league, with uh, 10.53 XG against from set, set plays. So that's, that's an area where we, where we can target. We've been relatively strong from set plays. I think I think across the season, I'd say we've been pretty good at attacking set pieces, and I think that's also something that we could look to target. Hopefully, with a, a goal from someone like Roden, he's one who I think need more goals. He's definitely a big guy and should be scoring more headers than what he does. So I, w- I w- wouldn't mind a goal from him, especially. Dan, anything to add there? I don't know if you had too much on the stats side. No, I was just I was just looking at the yeah the goals yeah they, they concede a lot of chances and a lot of goals, don't they? They're kind of way down on on goals against and xG against. Uh, I was just just more, more in general about the kind of xG and the performance. Like the start of the season, they had a quite good start, didn't they? And I think the numbers kind of backed up the the good start. And then when they got Barnes and um, Barnes injured and um, Sergeant injured, I lost his name there for a minute. And when they got Barnes and Sergeant injured, the, the team like just fell off a cliff. And it just feels like they're coming back a little bit now. So if they can get back to the early season form, they kind of look like a, a reasonable kind of playoff level team in the data. And I think, I think when I first watched them, I watched some of their early season games. I was like, oh, these are quite good. You know, like I was quite impressed by them. And I've been slightly disappointed with them. You know, without those two up front. So yeah, it's not really a data point, but I think the data like matched the good early form, and it was kind of fairly genuine. So, but they've always looked like they're going to concede. So yeah, they're going to, they're going to, you know, I, w- I would expect at least to to cause them a lot of trouble you know going going that way in terms of their defensive performance well speaking of players i guess this is a good time to have a stab at a predicted lineup um martin i'll let you go through first with this because it is a little bit tricky with um the fact they have done a bit of 4 2 3 1 and 4 4 2 at times but also like you say the southampton game was a 5 4 1 so that might be the way they're going to go but do you want to have a little go yeah so if they decide to go for back four i expect the lineup to be angus gunning goal uh jack stacy at right back Duffy and McLean at centre-back with Janulis at left-back. Uh, the Nunes and Sarah in midfield, uh, Rowe, Barnes, Sainz, or possibly Hernandez on the left side, then with Sargent up front. Um, but if they do go with a 5-4-1, then it could look a little bit different. Um, so Janulis would, would play a left wing back, but against Southampton, they brought in someone different uh, for that game. 
Um, I forget his name now. I didn't actually write that down, which is par, par of me. McCallum, that's it. So yeah, he he came into that game and played left wing back. So he's one who could come in if they do decide to go back five. I guess it is. So yeah, that's many other thing I can see. I think Dan had uh, a suspicion about one over change as well. Well, the only thing I was thinking was that they didn't have in that game. I think um, Josh Sargent was only just back, and they didn't and they didn't have Ashley Barnes available. So that might have been a part of the factor in the, the shape they chose. And they, so they just had the, they had the one forward uh, in that game, and 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 they had two centre backs. They brought Grant Hanley in, so it was like it was Duffy, McLean, and Hanley with the back three. So I wonder if they bring yeah, if they drop a forward and just bring in um, Hanley in or or perhaps Gibson in, you know, just for that extra centre back, and perhaps leave the full backs. You know, the full backs become wing backs. Um, but you know, Barnes and Sargent both being available might change the manager's mind, and they might actually go with the kind of typical four two three one, but just just low block it with that with that shape. I don't know. It's a really hard one to predict, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, even playing a more defensive, like the two central midfielders aren't aren't particularly really, really defensive minded. I think McLean's probably more so, and that's probably why he's played centre back. So there's even a small chance. I don't think it's likely, but again, that McLean goes into midfield just to make them a little bit more solid in that area, and they play a more defensive minded centre back like a Hanley or a Duffy or a Gibson. You know those classic <laughs> centre backs at this level that you've heard the names of a million times. But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. Uh, I, I'm probably leaning more towards what Dan just said there, a forty-three-one as well. Um, but yes. Before we move on to the lead side of the analysis, we're just going to go for a quick ad break now. Uh, But first, a little more about our Patreon. Don't worry, patrons. You don't have to hear this bit because you're a patron. (laughs) Anyway, Patreon is a media platform where you can support content creators that you enjoy and get extra content in return. Our patrons get access for as little as $1.99 per month, which gives you ad-free podcasts. And if you want to pay a little more, you get other benefits, including early access to our preview pods, such as the one you're listening to right now, uh, plus analysis articles, and videos and other bonus podcasts that we do throughout the season. Um, at the moment, we have an Archie Gray article. I think you wrote that. That's right, Martin. yeah. Uh, so that's just a quick look on Archie's career. So not career, sorry, this season, and so, so see how, how how he's gone. Well, that is his career. That is true. <laughs> so yeah, so his career in total. Uh, just looking o- over it and showing what sort of stats go behind um, his season so far and where where he ranks, and just a lot of other good stuff in there about what he's been doing well the season's gone on. Um, and I really enjoyed writing it. And then the other recent thing we've done there, me and Potsy did a Bones pod on transfers and transfer creation issues and what sort of profiles we should be looking at in January, which we both, me and Hossie, really enjoyed that pod and started good with it. So both those are good. And we've also got a Bones pod coming soon, which is going to be quite fun. I'm looking forward to that one. We won't spoil <laughs> that, that one too much yet, but there's a really fun Bones pod coming soon, which I think everyone will really enjoy. Yep, it does sound absolutely ideal. And also the Archie Gray article is timed so well with him signing a new contract this week. So I urge everyone to sign up and go and read that and go and listen to everything if you haven't already. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But yeah, we'll move on to the leads section now. Uh, first of all, are there any injuries today, guys? I think we had the, the uh, press conference, didn't we? So actually, this is fresh off the press. Um, Willie Nanto is out for the Preston game. And so you would imagine is probably out for the Norwich game. But look, that isn't 100% confirmed because he did say it's a hip flexor issue that's kept him out of action uh, in training for the last few days. So he might be okay. Um, Pascal's still out and he's probably going to miss the next few games still. Um but Cooper and Byram could be involved in some capacity against Preston, so they probably will in some capacity against Norwich as well, I'd imagine, which is all great news. First of all, then, I will start with you, Dan. How do you expect us to approach the game in possession? Do you expect anything different to the reverse fixture or even our last game? I guess it's not going to be Preston at the time of recording. It's going to be Cardiff, but yeah, anything different you expect from any of those? This this is interesting because my comment to, to, to Martin in the group chat was when I was watching the Norwich versus Hull, um, I was like, oh, if we can, if we play quite direct like we did against Cardiff here, or we drop balls in over the box or switch the ball quickly, we'll we'll have absolutely joy against this team because they kind of they were quite pressy and then, but then the back line didn't squeeze up, so there was loads of like space to play, sort of play into over you know over the top and then get running at them. So if they play anything like they do against Hull, um, Leeds just need to kind of draw them out and then ping it over or switch the play. But if they if they do. Um, sort of sit deep then I guess we're going to have a job sort of breaking down a low block but again I think Leeds need to kind of really really like focus on kind of switching play and moving the ball quickly from side to side and then taking opportunities to go over the top because I think Norwich won't like that at all I think their centre-backs when turned won't like that I think their back line generally doesn't like being turned so I just think we need to be quite direct uh, and not be too snooty about that in this game so I hope yeah I hope that's the way we go it's good that we have an extra ball player potentially playing then, uh, unless Cooper comes back in because we've got Ampadu at centre back at the moment and Gruev, Groove, Groif. I actually don't know how to say his name now. I've I've had three different ways, so I don't know. But at least he might be in the team as well, and and there's potential for him to be switching the ball around. But I'm going to say this now, and then Cooper's going to come back in, isn't he? Because uh, he'll have a bit more fitness behind him. But yes, uh, Martin, is there anything else you wanted to add about us? No, I think what Dan said that that sounds quite good. Uh, I do hope that we are a little bit more direct than some of the games where the people needs to do going to a deeper block and scope in five four one. Then I do hope that we are looking to move the ball quickly to the blank and get uh, wide players involved and get the ball, ball into the box either from crosses or from passes over the top and we just need to make things up in a similar way to what we did against Cardiff um, but if Norwich do play more aggressive then if we do go more direct as well that will also work so it works for both. and we, we are seeing that more at the moment that we are looking to go more direct I wonder if they read my article and um, we know they must pay attention to us but yeah yeah, they read everything. We shouldn't give away our tactics and we shouldn't do these podcasts because the opposition also listen as well. I don't, I don't expect too much. It's quite similar to the Cardiff game and I'm hoping we, we will still look to hit them in counter-attacking moments as well as we always do because we've got the players to do that. So, but regards to out of possession, I don't imagine it be too much different. I think we'll still press them quite aggressively, especially because we're at Allen Road and even away against Cardiff, we've quite high in that one as well. So I don't expect that part to change any either, just to 
skip past that next question, really, unless Dan has anything to add about out of session. Yeah, the interesting thing is, I think we've struggled like midweek away from home, haven't we? In, and I think part of that is the press has been been bad in those games. You know, Stoke, um, Stoke for example, yeah, Sunderland, yeah, exactly. And the Preston and West Brom were two games, and I think it's just that fast turnaround. It takes the energy off the players. But they've all been away, so it'd be interesting to see if it's if it's an away thing or if if we have the same here because it's midweek, so they won't have time to kind of really rest and rotate. So I do wonder how our press will be affected. Um, yeah, I. I there's a good chance that we kind of maybe just pressing spells in this game, like say, because it's this quick turnaround, but we might be more aggressive, you know, maybe from the off and then maybe, you know, have little spells and little triggers to go at them. But it might not be the kind of the all 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 action sort of 90 minute press that we've seen when they've had a full week's prep. I haven't been on this pod in so long that we've had Patrick Bamford come back into the team and start doing amazing, wonderful things, especially that goal against Peterborough. Um, and... Yeah, he obviously makes a big difference to quite a lot of what we've just been talking about there, whether you have to go more direct or if you're pressing more aggressively, he is a better forward for that than anyone in our squad. Um, it's why the people are saying that Perot needs to play up front. Um, still, even now, even though we've been over this a million times, not only on this podcast, but it's been over a million times on, on Twitter and on everything, um, it's still the wrong answer because Perot just can't do the things that Bamford can. You know, he's got a big frame, but he doesn't use his frame well enough to be really putting himself about. He doesn't have the, the speed to run the channels. Not that Bamford's rapid, but he's he's not as slow as Perot. Um, again, and just holding up the ball and, and things like that. Bamford's so much better and, and pressing obviously is the, the big one. Perot, when he had that simplified role, was pretty good at it but Bamford just allows you to be so much more front-footed in that regard in, in my opinion anyway um, and now I'm speaking about players I guess it brings me on quite nicely is um, can we see any players having a big impact on this game I'll quickly go again with Bamford I think if he plays again it's it's a big one um, the only thing I would say is that he's played now this will be three games in a row uh, at the time of recording he's done um, if he plays against Preston and Norwich that's five games in a row which is quite a lot of workload for him uh, given how little he's managed to do that over the last couple of seasons and I'm unsure about how much Farker will persist with him even though it's working right now and he's playing pretty well um, I do think it's a bit of a concern especially because it's a midweek game and it's straight after the, the Preston game on Sunday um, so I hope he plays and I hope that he does everything I've just been talking about but he's obviously one that I think can have a big impact but I'm just not 100% sure about how his body's maintaining this at the moment and I'm a little bit concerned and touch wood it's fine but you just don't know so yeah I'll, I'll let you guys talk about a few more of the players that might have a big impact and it's usually quite a lot of the same answers so uh, Dan I'll let you go first yeah, so this is interesting. So my view is probably going to see an unchanged team for Preston, um, but I won't be shocked to see some rotation here. So um, and slightly concerned about Rowe on the right wing up against Furpo. So I wonder if you know we see Furpo against Preston, but we might see Byron come in, who might be just a little bit better equipped to deal with Rowe on the counter uh, than Furpo is. And by that point, Byron will have extra training. He'll maybe have rather than ten minutes against you know it might have more than more than like maybe 20 minutes against Preston maybe so you know just to build up towards that so that'll be a change I would see and, and I think we could probably do with him having a good game if he does play left back or whoever plays left back he needs to have a good defensive game because like say Rose Rose a real good player um and I think it's kind of how how we build up in terms of our attack so against Cardiff I thought we were very very good at kind of manipulating Card- Card- Cardiff's forward line and Card- Cardiff's press and playing over that and playing through that and, and dropping the ball into you know, Rutter and Somerville, those guys, and and 
and even the fullbacks in space in that kind of in between the lines. And I think we need to try and see some of that. So it's going to be like Ampadu and, and Rodon and, and Grof, Grof, Grof. You know, I think they, they're important in terms of how we build. And if they can, if they can work and, and Kamara, and if they can work the ball well, like they did against Cardiff and get the ball into those dangerous players in space, then, then, then we cook, then we eat, then we feast. What is that what, is that what you say now? Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like it's, it's build up play is really important. Get you know, get get our attackers into good situations in, in broken play and we're away. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of centre backs and midfielders are important for that. Yeah, so I echo all that Dan said there, and then as always, the our two key guys going forward in Somerville and Ruter, those who are always going to be our biggest threat going forward. So those are the ones who. We'll need to have a good game for us to win this, as always. Um, but I also do agree with the midfield battle is going to be an interesting one because Norwich has got a lot of good players in, in the centre of the park. And so, so if he does play, he's a worry against Sean Rowe. But I too hope that Bar- Byron is going to be brought into this one because he would be a little bit better defensively against Rowe. The obvious will still will have an issue with him because Rowe is a fantastic player. So whoever plays against him will struggle. But I just think Byron will struggle a little bit less than what Furpo will. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of players who have to perform well for us, but above all, our press I think is going to be quite important, and it, it needs to improve from the last game and our possession as a whole. Uh, we gave up a lot of chances to Norwich last time around, so I want to see an improvement in that, and I want I want to see us concede less than one xG to start with, and hopefully no more than one goal, and just just so we can limit things and do better than the previous fixture, and then we can show that the team has made progress from the earlier fixture. I realise the last one was away and this one's at home, so naturally there will be those bonuses anyway. But it's going to come down to a good chunk of how we do our possession, I feel. A quick one then to you. Um, if Cooper has built up a bit of fitness over the next few days and is in line to return against Norwich potentially, would you put him back in and put Ampadu in midfield? Because you've both talked about the midfield battle and how worried you are because players like Nunes and Sarah, would you prefer to have Ampadu in there helping break things up or, or would you rather he still played centre-back and we kind of keep Cooper out of the team given how it's worked with Ampadu um, and his ball progression there being just so so immense? Um I'll start I've with you, got Martin. no issue. Whoever plays in midfield, to be honest, um, Grew. I'm calling him Grew. I'm not going with any of the other ones. His, his name is Grew now. Um, he's he's been impressing me in games where he's played in midfield. Ampadu's been impressing me at centre back. So all good for me. Whoever plays where, if Cooper comes in, that's fine. Um, if if Grew plays in midfield with Camera, that's fine. If Grew plays in midfield with Ampadu, that's also fine. I, don't, I believe um, Ampadu would also be good going to be more advanced of the two midfielders and with with Grew sitting a bit deeper. That's also one that we haven't seen yet, so I'd be interested to see that one play play out. So yeah, there's a few, there's a few ways that, that this dynamic could be shifted, and I'm happy with whichever way Saka decides to go with. To be honest, yeah, I think I think it's pretty obvious, Dan, isn't it, that, that we're going to make some changes probably from the weekend game, as you kind of alluded to, um, to the midweek game against Norwich. Um, but if you wanted to have a little go at the predicted lineup, what would you go with? Yeah, I I wonder if so. I don't think they'll go with Cooper. I'm not sure how fit he is. And the other thing is, Rowe plays quite narrow, doesn't he? Comes in field and runs through the middle quite a bit as well. So I wonder if they'll prefer Ampadu there anyway, because he's a bit more mobile than Cooper, isn't he? Um, so I, I've got a feeling it'll be By- so Melian goal. Obviously, I, I think it'll be Gray, Rodon, Byron, uh, Byron at left back, and, and Ampadu at centre back, left centre back. I think we'll see the midfield stay the same. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about rotation, but I can't see any beyond <laughs> Byron. <laughs> No, uh, you might see you might see Bamford out, might we? we might see Perot in for Bamford, so it might be uh, Bamford and Thurpo out basically for um, 
for, for Byram and, and, and Perot. That's what I think. I think that's where my head's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, personally, I've said that I would prefer to rest Bamford against Preston and play him against Norwich. I think, personally, I think he's probably our best striker from the style of play that I think Farker wants to play. And Preston won't be as difficult a game as Norwich, in my opinion, even though it's at Elland Road. I still think it's going to be a tougher game. So I personally would rest Bamford for the Preston game, maybe bring him bring him on if we need him in the second half. Just change things up, but earlier, please, Farker. None of these 75-minute changes, because that's pointless. Um, so yeah, if you need to bring him on against Preston, bring him on against Preston. Um, but I would prefer to him start against Norwich, in my opinion. But that's, that, that's just my preference. I think Bamford's going to start against Preston, and I think Perot's going to start against Norwich. I think it's what's going to happen, uh, but it's not what I'd prefer. Yeah, I think I agree, though. Um, I think I agree with you in both regards. I think that the likelihood is he'll start, but maybe I wouldn't either. But he's got three goals in three games, so they're probably going to. Um, but yeah, I think Norwich are probably a little bit better than Preston, um, not just personnel-wise, tactically as well. So I would rather have Bamford for that game uh, 100% rather than kind of at 70% because he had to play against um, Preston at the weekend. Um, but yes, what do we expect watching this game of football will look like? Dan, I'll start with you first. Yeah, so... Even though we think we fear that Norwich might come and do the four five one, I still think we can like we'll we'll try and press them and 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 we'll, it'll still end up being a fairly transitional heavy game because I think Norwich is you know like it's in their it's in their uh, blood to get out and play isn't it and come at us so even if they are disciplined for a while they can only be dis- disciplined for so long and they will try and play it on the ground so I do see us winning the ball and and kind of having transitional moments against them even if they do have a low block so I can still see it being transitional just less transitional than it would be if they came and attacked us so. Yeah, one way or the other, it's going to be there's probably going to be some like good fun attacking moments that go back and forward. So it could be quite a good fun game. Um, if you know, I think if we score early and they come out a bit, then uh, you know it could it could be. I think we could win comfortably and handily. But I guess if they come out and play a four five four one and and keep us at bay till half time and the crowd get on our backs and all that kind of stuff, our team's back. Then you know. Who knows? It might it might be a bit of a nervy thing second half. Martin, what what do you expect watching this game? Will look like? I said earlier that I maybe expect it to be more of a low block that they go for. But I'm sort of second guessing myself now, and I'm, I'm not sure if that Wagner may think that we got a bit lucky in the reverse fixture, and maybe he'll go with a similar game plan to previous and try to press us and see if they can get the result this time like they did at that we did at their ground. So. I wonder if maybe some sort of competitiveness, uh, be both him and Fart being German, but play quite similar styles of football that maybe he may might not want to sacrifice his his own identity and what he would probably prefer to play. And I think against Southampton, they're a different side to us, and they're a lot more obsession heavy than what we are. So I wonder if that also comes into play. That that's the reason why he went for it against them. That he felt that Southampton would have a, a time to break us down. So to break them them down when they sat deeper than and he maybe he maybe felt that they, they would play through him quite easily if they if they did press Southampton. So I'm sort of second guessing my own earlier statement now mid pod, <laughs> which is which is always it's, pers- it's personnel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's, it's personnel as well because they had obviously Barnes and and um, Sergeant was only partially partially available for Southampton, whereas you know they're probably both fit for this game. So that might he might just stick with his you know his best eleven, Marnie. Go with what he knows. Yep, um, and I'm hoping Martin's right actually about what he's just talked about. Uh, I have to say, even though they have some 
good technical players in midfield and I think they can cause us some problems. I think if they do decide to be a bit more mid-blocky and play out, I actually think we might be able to have a lot more joy than against a low block against some really sturdy defenders when they want to be. So I would much, much rather see them play out a bit. Um, but yeah, where, where do you think this game will be won or lost? I guess that does kind of tie into what we've just been talking about and whether they're going to be a, a bit deeper than um, they have been you know, recently and if they're going to play more like the Southampton game or, or not. I'll start with you on this one, Martin. I think this game will win our loss, but who takes their chances the best? Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be a, an abundance of high-quality chances. I think both us and them have looked relatively good at stopping high-value high chances going in, not having more than one or two per game. So unless there's some, some really early goals scored um, and it opens up more, I think it could be a quite a tight game, maybe finishing one goal margin either way. So I think it's whoever... It does best with their chances and is more clinical in them who will win it. Dan, Martin's trade dangerous close to making a prediction there. We don't do that on this podcast, but where do you think this game will be won or lost? It's kind of on the press, isn't it? If if we can get you know, if we can win the ball off them and, and turn them, which I think we can. I think I saw Southampton do that, even when they played that cautious style. Um I think if we get our press going and our press is decent, which it hasn't been midweek, which is the point I made earlier, if our press is decent, I think we win in the game. Um, um, I mean, I guess obviously the big, the big worry is Sarah and Rowe, you know, having moments of quality like they did against us um, in, the, in the previous game. But if we could keep those two quiet and get our press going, I think we've got too much for them. Um, that's my prediction. I think a buzzword we haven't used too much is um, artificial transitions and, and potentially baiting them. Um, but the problem is, is that they have such quality in those deeper areas that it's a little bit harder to do it. I think. Um, but yeah, I think that's another area where the game might be won or lost as well. We can make the most of those kind of what you were talking about a little bit there Dan um, and counter quickly then that'll be really really good for us um, but I think that brings us to the end of the podcast unless there's anything else nope okay just a quick reminder then it, the website for our patron is I'll go with you Martin patreon.com slash ASAW patron and a quick reminder to everyone uh, we are trying to do Twitter spaces here and there a little bit so keep your eye out for that um, it'll be a little bit more of what this is essentially it'll be after the lineups are put out and then we'll we'll kind of do another preview but a, a very quick one when uh, we can actually discuss what the two teams look like and the setup and, and rather than guess it like we have been today um yes we'll be back with a review of this game shortly after that and who is after norwich i forget it's the cup is it the cup it's plymouth it's the cup and then it's bristol city the week after that away so now i've got an interview for bristol city so it's the dark ojb adam Forshaw Leeds united plymouth derby yep cool um, they won't be able to, well for sure we'll be able to play Darker JB won't but anyway yes we'll be back with the review of that and uh, a preview of that game as well um, but all that's left for me to say thank you to Dan thank you Adam it's been fun and thank you to Martin thank you as well Adam it's good to have you back hosting yeah and thank you dear listeners happy new year I know it's well into the year but I've not been on one since then uh, and I hope you enjoy the game against Preston and against Norwich and hopefully we win both bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.